So were yesterday's retail numbers in Australia really that good? Well, they were certainly more than expected. So does that mean that there's too much resilience that's going to have the RBA on edge? Well, probably not. We'll look at the numbers in a bit more detail today. Plus, Beijing doing their bit to encourage investment. Will it work? And job openings, the jolts numbers for the US tonight and the IMF report card is just out on New Zealand. Apparently, they should use interest rates to control inflation. Well, that's all I got from it anyway. It's Tuesday, the 29th of August, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, not much going on with the US dollar this morning, but nonetheless, the Aussie dollar has managed to gain 0.3%. It's up above 64.2 US cents now. The Japanese yen was continuing to weaken, losing 0.4%, but it's regained most of that now in the last few hours. And US equities have had another good day up 0.9% for the Nasdaq at close, 0.6% for the Dow. Same for the S&P 500, all closing close to their session highs. In Europe, the Eurostoxx 50 closed up 1.4%. The DAX closed up 1%. The stock exchange closed in the UK uh, for a public holiday. The same applied for UK bonds. But elsewhere, not a lot of bond movement, but where there was any movement, yields are generally down for 10 years. Treasuries uh, losing two basis points, even less movement happening in Europe. And oil is mixed. WTI is up 0.4%. Brent pretty flat this session, sticking around 84.50 a barrel. So with the public holiday in the UK, which is optimistically called the summer bank holiday, by the way. Uh, Not much of the way in data there or elsewhere. It's been pretty quiet, although there have been attempts by China to bolster investment in the economy. But is that enough? Uh, Before we go there, let's uh, use this lull, perhaps, to look at the Australian data yesterday. Here's NAB's Ray Attrell to help us get across those retail sales numbers for July. A rebound, Ray, or just choppy? Morning, Phil. I think there might have been a a bit of Matilda effect in there, to be honest. (laughs) Yes, the numbers were a little bit better than expected, 0.5% up on the month. These are nominal numbers, remember, on a monthly basis. Um, you know, it was a fair bit above the consensus. We were looking for just 0.1 and the consensus was about a quarter of a percent. Um, but it does, you know, it does highlight that we've had some pretty choppy month to month numbers. It follows a, a 0.8% decline in May. Um, but, you know, in a three month annualized rate, we're running at barely 2% in nominal terms. But, um, but retail sales clearly haven't fallen off a cliff and the level of sales is still, I think it's 17 percentage points above a pre pandemic trend. But, um, so, you know, that sounds fantastic, but let's remind ourselves that, that retail sales is not pr- all of private consumption. I was just reminding myself of the numbers. So monthly retail sales in Australia in, on a trend basis runs to about 35 billion uh, Aussie dollars a month. Uh, so what's that? Just over $400 billion a year. Um, but uh, that represents about 20% of GDP, whereas private consumption um, that is obviously includes a lot of services that is not are not included in uh, wow. retail okay. sales numbers, you know, amount for closer to 50% of GDP. So, you know, bear that in mind when analysing these numbers and particularly the fact that retail sales, which is very good focused, is so much above, uh, so far above the pre-pandemic so, trend. So what, but, what uh, accounts for the rest then? Is it buying our house and, and stuff like that? What goes in there? Well, you know, things like sort of health services, et cetera, and, uh, you know, and other sort of leisure activities. That, uh, so some of it gets in retail sales, but, but a lot of it, uh, a lot of it doesn't. Um, and the strength last month was led by, you know, department stores, but clothing and footwear up 2%, cafes and restaurants and takeaway spending very high. And of course, there was a, there was a World Cup on in July that will have obviously boosted numbers in September. So it's Matilda's jerseys 
and uh, going out on the proverbial uh, surrounding the right. golf cars uh, look like they may have inflated the numbers right. and somewhat. deflate them uh, in the next one as those jerseys uh, are sold off at half price I guess uh, the, that's a bit, a bit unkind isn't it but I mean it's remember your audience Phil yeah, I will well, in fairness I think you'll be able to get uh, cut price lionesses t-shirts as well uh, just on those inflation numbers though I mean the other factor as well is of course you know the population's been growing so this isn't a per capita number uh, so uh, you'd expect the number to be rising no absolutely so remind ourselves that um, you know the, the civilian 15 plus population is uh, growing at something like 2.8 percent year on year so if you you contrast that with the, with the monthly retail sales numbers it means that in per capita or per head terms um, you know nominal retail sales is actually down year on year about 0.7 so that contrasts with that plus 2.1 headline right number. so in other words uh, it's not totally collapsed, but it's not high enough to be a concern that the RBA is going to be saying, you know, consumption is so high, we really have to keep a close eye, a closer eye on this. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think that, that the RBA's concern from an inflation point of view is still um, that, um, you know, and to be honest, I'd, I'd say my key takeaway from Jay Powell's testimony, I know you, you squeezed every drop of, uh, of juice out of that with Sky yesterday. Every ounce. But for me, the key sort of takeaway from that speech was that, you know, they need to see the labour market softening to have confidence that, uh, you know, services inflation that's predominantly wages driven is going to come down. And for the RBA's money, I think it's similarly that, um, you know, unemployment is far lower than they think ultimately it will need to get to to be confident that um, inflation will come down to the two to three percent uh, 3% level. So I think that rather than, you know, whether, you know, consumption, you know, in general, in real terms, you know, I think is is, is relatively weak. And the RBA has been highlighting that. So it's more the, uh, you know, the enduring strength of the labour market that from an inflation point of view, at least, I think is that big. Yeah, well, the interesting yeah. piece in the Wall Street Journal today about how Americans are more and more foregoing home insurance because the premiums have gone up so much. Uh, and uh, I guess if you've, if you've got a mortgage, you probably have to have insurance. But if you haven't, if you're in your own house, uh, then uh, people are just not getting the home insurance. So presumably, because that's a risk, particularly with climate change, you, they, they must be feeling the squeeze. So and, and we're starting to see all sorts of indicators like that around the world now, aren't we, that, yeah. that it's starting to bite? No, absolutely. And uh, I was uh, not one to, to, to advertise other podcasters, but I was listening to one from the Financial Times um, a few weeks ago talking about how, how car insurance premiums have gone through the roof for all sorts of sort of technical reasons. Um, but insurance has clearly, you know, been a, a major contributor to, to, to inflation as well. And um, mm. it's one of those things either you have to have it um, and you've got no, so you have to sacrifice spending elsewhere or you just forego it if you're not legally obligated to do that. Unlike, and, you know, and increasingly we've had reports in the, the good sector of uh, increasing amounts of theft in, in, in various countries around the world, which, right. you know, yeah. is another sign yeah. that, uh, that, that households are really feeling the pinch. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Michelle Bullock, just finishing off on the RBA, the Deputy Governor still, uh, but not for long. She's delivering a, uh, a lecture at the ANU in Canberra this afternoon. Uh, she's talking about the transition to net zero, which is probably a little bit of a longer term focus than what we'd like to hear from her right now. Uh, but will she give anything away or not? Really? Um, I, th I think it's probably unlikely given the nature of the, uh, of the event and, and, and the topic there. Um, but I guess, you know, from a mass sort of medium term sort of macro and market perspective, you know, any discussion on, on the implications of, of climate change as far as the RBA's work is concerned, you know, on what it means for inflation mm. output and, and possibly things like the new interest rate so um you know i'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll extract yeah. some interest from it even though it uh, 
you know, at, at face value, it doesn't look like it's going to be a market mover. Right. Uh, something else that's uh, slow moving is uh, Beijing's response to the slowdown in the Chinese economy. Uh, but they are trying to um, push investment, aren't they? I mean, the, the, the CSI 300 has been flagging. There's been a big drop in foreign investment. Basically, foreigners have been bailing out of Chinese stocks. So their response, uh, they're going to cut stamp duty. Apparently, this is the first time it's been done since 2008. Uh, it will cut the cost of trading shares by a third, apparently. But is that, I mean, it's, it, it sounds a bit piecemeal. Is it going to have any sustainable impact? Um, I think my sort of glib answer to all this is that you know, the latest policy measures from China are, are attacking symptoms rather than cause. Um, you know, the yeah. weakness that we've seen in, in China stocks this year, um, you know, dramatically underperformed, <clears throat> excuse me, the likes of the S&P, you know, are, are part and parcel, you know, the, the other side of the, of the story about the economy, which has clearly been losing significant momentum since the first quarter bounce back from, from zero COVID. Um, and we know that, you know, household confidence is, you know, it, it has been shot to pieces. So, you know, making it cheaper for households to buy stocks is, um, you know, in itself is, is, is not going to do much. It might make, it, make them more inclined to sell, but the store and there were various other um, you know measures that were that were wheeled out yesterday in terms of producing sort of margin ratios for margin trading, encouraging companies to do more buybacks uh, to purchase their own equity funds, slow the pace of IPOs, um, etc., and, and asking some sort of mutual funds to avoid selling on a net basis. But um, so you know they clearly had a, a big impact at the open. We saw the Shanghai index up over five percent, mm. but that was reduced a little over one percent by the day because I think that uh, you know the idea of selling rallies, uh, particularly if you're a foreign investor, you know, was was very much on show yesterday. Um, so it did have a little bit of a, you know, a, a supportive influence both on the currency, which spilled over to, to the Aussie. But, um, you know, it looks a little bit like a one day wonder from where I'm seeing things well, at the not moment. Even, not even a one day, one morning. <laughs> but it just, it just highlights that fact that we've been saying is that, you know, we need to see some some pretty high profile um, fiscal support coming through for the economy here, and uh, you know, you more, more you read about the, the politics of this, it's and it's not at all clear uh, that that's even on um, you know President Xi's radar just at the moment. So New Zealand's had its report card from the IMF. They've released the Article Four consultation. Uh, so I think that they do this with every member, don't they? Just about every year. Uh, in their findings, they concluded, and uh, this is shattering, earth-shattering stuff. They saw little scope to. Lo- this is in their words, the little scope to lower policy rates currently given the tight labour market and stubborn core inflation and emphasised that a reignition of inflationary pressures would call for additional monetary policy tightening. Well, there we are. Thanks for coming over and, and telling us that. Uh, surprisingly, not much of a market response, but it sounds like they didn't really say very much. Well, no, nothing revelatory, I think, in that sense. I thought what was interesting, uh, and it does relate to their you know, their comments about the need for medium-term fiscal consolidation, is that uh, we did have an announcement late in the day yesterday from the New Zealand government um, announcing some reductions in government spending um, now, these amount to, I'm just doing the numbers, um, $4 billion of less spending in the economy over the next four years. And let's put that in context. Um, you know, we're talking about, um, you know, a $250 billion 
dollar economy. So that amounts to probably 1% of GDP over four years. So it isn't really going to touch the sides as far as uh, mm. meaningful fiscal consolidation is concerned. And, you know, well, I haven't, I haven't read the whole of uh, the Article 4 consultation. Apologies to our listeners at uh, this time of the morning. But well, we, we, uh, I was we've just... Because <laughs> people can enjoy it in their leisure today. That's true. I mean, but we I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> we don't want to spoil it alert on this show. Absolutely not. But I was just reminding myself of, uh, you know, compare and contrast the underlying um, what we call twin deficit or, or external um, budget deficit positions of New Zealand and Australia. So New Zealand is running, uh, you know, a budget deficit of, of close to 5% of GDP. It's running a current account deficit um, of 8.5% of GDP. So the so-called twin deficits, you know, are running at, uh, you know, close to... Um, What's that? Fourteen percent of GDP in Australia. We've got a small budget surplus, and we've got a current account surplus. So the contrast between um, you know the so-called twin, not twin deficit, or in Australia's case, twin surplus in Australia is, is and New Zealand is absolutely dramatic. And in in any other world that I've ever lived in, in finance, that would be a recipe for a, a currency collapse in the New Zealand dollar. So quite why it's not uh, the New Zealand dollar isn't weaker, particularly given the current account position, and um, it remains one of uh, the economics profession's sort of great mysteries. I would suggest. Well, one of the many, I suspect. Uh, we've got uh, consumer confidence readings today for France and Germany, but uh, also the US Conference Board's August uh, Consumer Confidence Survey as well, which has been rising. I mean, we've been seeing things getting worse in Europe and, you know, getting better in the US. I mean, it's, it, you know, we've talked about it for a long time. Uh, just to, presumably, we're just going to see that uh, that division widening today, both sides of the Atlantic. Well, it certainly looks that way anyway. I think a small fall is expected for the US uh, one, but it's still, you know, expected to be whatever, 116. Um, in, in May, it was down at 102.5. So there's clearly been, you know, something of an improvement, albeit from... Uh, from very low levels, so I think uh, some interest in that too. As plus, we'll get the the latest jolts drop openings yes. report from the US, which is uh, increasingly so important. And uh, if it comes in close to uh, a consensus, which I think is nine point four five million drop openings, uh, it would uh, be the lowest uh, reading since April twenty twenty one. So, still a lot of uh, a lot of jobs out there, but but less than there was. So that might be one sign of uh, you know some underlying softening in the labour market even if um, and if we see quits I mean that's going to be interesting isn't it because mm -hmm. when we started to see quits falling away so if people aren't confident they're going to get another job they're going to hang on to what they've got and that obviously will reduce that uh, that, that tight labour market no absolutely and, and let's remember we're hurtling towards um the uh, the August non-farm payrolls number, aren't we? On or oh, sorry, the uh, the July one yep. coming out on Friday. With the sorry, no, the, it is the August, the August one. Sorry, at the first yeah, of September. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's going to be a, a biggie towards the end of the week. But these numbers certainly, in terms of sort of getting under the uh, you know into the weeds, if you like, of what's happening with the labour market, will be important. Right, we'll let you go now, Ray, because you obviously need a bit of a lay down. You don't even know what month it is. Uh, it's too early in the morning for you. Uh, we'll get you that. on again soon. Thank you. Have a good day. Will do. Cheers, Phil. He's generally holding it together, though, isn't he, for a man of his vintage? Uh, that's it for today. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. I'll be back again tomorrow morning. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening. <laughs>